Hello, you're listening to Ending Physician Overwhelm, and I'm your host, Dr. Megan Mello. I'm a physician and a life coach for physicians and other professionals. In this podcast, we look at why, as physicians, we often get stuck in feelings of overwhelm, anxiety, and burnout, and how we can break out of toxic thought patterns. My hope is that each episode gives you an opportunity to heal and get more clear on how you want to show up in your life and your work. And now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Rashmi Shram, and we are going to be talking about meditation as medicine today. Dr. Shram, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So I'll just give a brief introduction. You are a family medicine physician. Love that family medicine too. And you're also a board certified health and wellness coach, an integrative wellness coach and a meditation instructor. Dr. Shram trained at university of Virginia school of medicine, and then did family medicine residency at St. Vincent's family medicine residency, and currently lives in Florida with her family, where she is the CEO of optimal wellness, which is her coaching and uh, meditation teaching practice. So welcome. Thank you. So I'm going to start right off the bat. I've come to know you as someone who is an expert in meditation and the cultivation of mindfulness, but you didn't start that way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I'd love for you to share kind of your experiences, um, you know, with burnout, with anxiety and insomnia and how, how the journey got started for you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't even know that expert belongs alongside of meditation or mindfulness, but mm-hmm. I really do appreciate that connotation. Um, but I, I was suffering for, you know, years and years. I was not on social media. I was not really even online very much other than, you know, just with my very close friends and family. So I wasn't even aware that I was in burnout. And this is, you know, like 12 years ago, 10 years ago. And I was just um, suffering from, you know, a whole host of issues that were going on. What I tend to go to is generally over worrying, overthinking anxiety. That's like my go-to and it can still be that way, which mm-hmm. is why I actually think I have to teach meditation so I can keep myself honest. And yes. <laughs> So I was suffering from this, like, you know, um, host of insomnia that showed up with the anxiety. And then of course, GI issues that showed up as well. And then some chronic daily migraines. And I was trying very unsuccessfully to help myself in many different ways, um, but wasn't getting the answers that I wanted. And so I actually was born in India and I lived there until I was 12. And so I was exposed to meditation, mindfulness, just that aspect of it. And it had always seemed like home to me. And I had actually had a small um, group of people that I had been secretly meditating with in college. 
um, because I was too like afraid to go talk about it with other people. So I decided to kind of rejoin some of that and it proved to be enormously helpful for me initially. And this was like 12 years ago. Um, but you know, I was honestly like a crisis meditator for a while. Mm. So I would have like this bout of like terrible headaches and I wasn't sleeping. And then I would go to meditation and it would help me. And then I'd forget about it again until the next crisis came up. And so <laughs> I kept doing this for a while until I, I realized I really wanted a group or I wanted some kind of accountability setting. And I had the opportunity to learn in a deep sense um, with um, within the Chopra you know, community. And I actually said, I'm going to sign up to be a teacher because that's a lot of accountability, not mm -hmm. really thinking I would ever teach, to be honest with you. So I went into just like the study of Ayurveda and meditation, which are sister sciences, um, so that I could get a deep dive so that I could have a deep understanding. It was very much so to solve a personal problem for me. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny that you mentioned that. I think that so many physicians that I know of, um, we, we feel like we need to do something big like that and be like, okay, not only am I going to learn about this, I'm going to get certified in this. I'm going to be a teacher. Um, and I'm totally guilty of that exact same thing. So I'm so glad that you mentioned it. Um, okay. And so you were using, um, using this teaching pathway to get yourself deeper, to be more committed to the practice. Tell us a little bit more about that journey and what you discovered that's kind of brought you to this place in your life. Yeah. So I went from not really being able to explain how meditation helped me. I, I really wasn't even sure how it was helping me um, to understanding how not just the science worked, but also interweaving some of the spirituality with it as well. And by spirituality, I just mean a connection with others and a connection to something higher than ourselves, not any religious connotation. Um, and, and in that way, when I was able to understand it for myself and then teach it, whether it was unofficially or officially, it started to help me have a better understanding of how I could apply it, not just to myself, but for the people that I was working with. Um, so for example, I don't know that I could have even told you the definition of meditation mm -hmm. when I was first doing it, right? I would say, oh, you, you sit down and you close your eyes and you follow them <laughs> on or something like that, you know, and that's fine. That yeah. does define it. But it's really, 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 really simple, right? So meditation is what we're talking about when we say meditation is this journey from activity into stillness. Mm -hmm. And it's just a formal way of practicing mindfulness and of getting that mindfulness muscle strong. And, you know, from being a mindfulness teacher as well, just, you know, the way most of us think of mindfulness is also incredibly simple. And we're all born with those skill sets already. That's our innate nature, which is just to be paying attention to the present moment without judgment and with some kind of curiosity. And so, you know, kids are our best teachers for mindfulness. So it, in that way, it's helped me to evolve a little bit to, to be able to um, understand it better for myself so I could teach it better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, let me know what your thought is on this. I think what we mean with stillness is, is a mental stillness, right? Like a you um, are not actively trying to think of any particular thing. We're not actively trying to do or solve any particular thing, but we're allowing our brain to have space and quiet. And that may include body stillness as well, but it may also include, you know, different kind of therapeutic movements like walking meditation, you know, where you literally just go out for a walk without, <laughs> without your music, without your podcasts, you know, just kind of in silence or, 
you know, it might include yoga where again, you're sort of focusing your body on certain postures, but the mind is embracing stillness, right? You're not trying to read a, you know, audio book when you're doing yoga. Yeah, you're exactly right. There are so many different and valid ways to practice meditation and mindfulness. And in uh, in many ways, you know, our mind will actually never embrace stillness. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, just innately. And so it's much less of like um, having the mind do something, but rather just to in, in, in even some tricky ways to just tap into that stillness that's already always within each of us that is sometimes most of the time hidden from our own access. And so walking is an incredibly powerful way, um, certainly pairing movement like yoga, movement, breath work, and that inward journey is a very mindful movement. There are so many valid ways to practice mindfulness. And I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and many people that I've talked to, um, you know, patients as well as, you know, physicians and, and colleagues and, and clients say they really struggle with meditation. They really feel like they can't do it. Um, they've tried, they've failed. Um, and, and it's not necessarily the habit part, right? The habit part of showing up, but they, they expect something to happen when they sit down or, um, yeah, I'd say that's more common. I think people can get the walking meditation without too much work, right? But they really struggle with that stillness. So can you speak to people who've had that experience and how you help them to sort of move past that? Yeah. And that is number one, the most common and what is actually supposed to happen. We are really supposed to feel frustrated the first several times we sit for a meditation or try to meditate because really the rest of our lives are meant to be in activity. The rest of our lives are filled with distractions. And so when we are trying to go against what we normally do, there's going to be some pushback from the mind and the body for sure. So don't be discouraged is what I would say is that you're having an extreme extremely normal experience. No one, absolutely not me, ever sat down for my first, second, third, fourth, or 105th meditation and came out of it feeling just nothing but Zen, right? <laughs> and so you can have those experiences, absolutely. But ultimately, it is about training ourselves and training the mind in a certain way that we don't necessarily do outside of meditation, which then, of course, takes it out of that as well. So number one, it's completely normal. Number two, I think it's important to try a few different types of either meditation or mindfulness yeah. without going overboard, right? Like uh -huh. we can even spend um, months just trying a five minute meditation here and there, but maybe even finding like a teacher or just one focused area for a week or so trying it if it doesn't work. Um, or maybe just looking at breath work is also important as well, because that's a very, it's one of the first ways that we get into meditation. I teach what I have found over the years is um, I actually start off not just my small group, but also my one-on-one, -on -one. Um, you know, students, when I work with them for meditation, when they're ready to go deep, I actually start them off with a guided meditation. Um, and those, and those are just uh, yoga nidras. And so um, it's an incredibly powerful way to begin to form those neural pathways that then make it much easier to do a sitting meditation that then becomes, um, you know, kind of the 
default or the go-to. So the idea of, you know, just trying something and being really good at it, although there is no such thing as being good at meditation, it is, is, is definitely a product of the intellect and the ego, which are fine. We need those things. But a lot of times during meditation, we are trying to slip past the ego a little bit and we can get some pushback. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I'm wondering, can you share a little bit more about the yoga nidra? Cause I've um, been to several of your classes and I, it's not something that I had ever been exposed to before, but it is something that I found very helpful. And so I just love to sort of broaden awareness about that. Yeah. So yoga nidra is, you know, it can be traced back to at least 3000 years or so yoga means union of mind, body, and spirit and nidra means sleep. It isn't that we go to sleep when we're meditating, but we go into these sleep-like states. So, you know, if we had EEG machines on almost everybody, even the first time would be in these alpha waves, which is a very programmable, really rejuvenating state. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, deeper and deeper meditations can take us even into Delta and theta waves as well. And so we use just a host of what we normally use in different meditations. And so we use body scanning, we use breath work. Um, We also use a a host of, um, you know, just just muscular relaxation techniques so that we can let go of some of the tension that's there and move beyond some of just the everyday thought patterns that we have. And because it's guided, it is generally, at least most people tell me, and I have found this to be true, is also a little easier to follow along because there is Mm -hmm. some thing to give the mind to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing something, even though we're really not, right. but we are following <laughs> along. And, and then we use intentions and affirmations that are generally true for most of life that we can, you know, we can kind of just put these seeds, these little seeds of intention as we go deeper and deeper into relaxed states and really into the subconscious mind. And so it begins to show up outside of the practice in so many different ways. Um, and so that is just a little bit about yoga nidra. I also teach an, another kind of meditation that's a mantra based meditation that is also incredibly powerful and and mantra just means man means mind and thra means vehicle. And so mm. again, we're giving our monkey mind something to do while we slip past the mind. So both of them are really valid, fun ways to practice getting to the same location with different vehicles. Oh, that's great. And um, I'm curious if you can speak to, I've heard you talk on other um on other uh, shows about what you noticed in your personal life when you came to, you know, be learning these meditation and mindfulness practices, you know, in terms of uh, life with your kids, for example. Oh yeah. You know, um, I can be a real asshole. I'm sorry. Can I say that here? (laughs) You can now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's what I learned. That's what I learned about myself. is, you know, I, I talked about anxiety, but I can also get really irritable. Like it's like, whew, you know? Um, and so it isn't like I was going around yelling at people or, or like not even really to my kids, but I was yelling in my head to them. And then I was like trying to mute it. And so the outside and the inside were definitely not matched at all. Um, where I would have this running list of like, Oh, if you only like, Oh, it's just brush your teeth. You know, so it was totally discordant. It was such a discordance that I was living. Um, and it was really like this untethered weird way of living. And so what I started to discover obviously is the first thing that happens is your relationships change immediately Mm -hmm. as you change. Right. I mean, they have to, cause we are 
our lives are in relation to others. And so, um, you know, my relationship with my husband started to change. I was able to start to see different perspectives. Um, my relationship with my kids, they were a lot younger, started to change immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, different, different show of perspective, but I, I, I really just felt like, I mean, for lack of better words, like the inside was kind of matching with the outside. And if you will, like, I wasn't trying to hide, um, you know, whether it was something I was like biting my tongue about, which I used to do a lot of, um, but I, but I, I, but I learned more skillful ways of communicating what I needed because first of all, I never even knew what I needed for all of mm-hmm. years. So, so in, in other words, just slowing down just a little bit and changing the way that I was operating within myself obviously helped me to operate differently with others. Yeah. I think that's so good. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, in our medical training, I think we learn to be very disconnected from our emotions and, you know, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why we are trained that way. And we could talk all day about good, bad (laughs) and the other, but when we stay so disconnected for years from our feelings and we're always having these thoughts and feelings on the inside and girding our teeth and, you know, trying to pretend like we're not, whether we're at work with patients, you know, or at home with our kids, you're right. We're, we're out of alignment. Right. And it, it creates all this negative energy and experience. And so I love that idea of when you are starting to tune in more and getting more aware of the inside, you're able to better match, um, you know, those two halves of the inside and the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you, how you talked about that. And it also helped me to just live in this moment mm-hmm. because a lot of times I was always sort of replaying something or, or yeah. pre-playing something that I was <laughs> expecting to happen. Right. Worrying about something that, that has been, or is going to be, and always, always going to that worst place. Yeah. Right. Right. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, for anybody who is out there who might be listening, who is currently, um, you know, struggling with feelings of burnout, feeling overwhelmed, having trouble sleeping, having the GI troubles that um, are so common or headaches, what would you advise for them to do first? Where would, where would they best be to get started? So I, I always think the first place to start is self-compassion because without Mm -hmm. that as a base, we really don't get very far if we're really very harsh on ourselves and that can be very difficult. And so practicing some amount, even the tiniest bit of self-compassion, I think is really important of just turning inward, taking a breath in and say, what do I need? What am I not getting? What are my needs? You know, what are the needs that are not being met? And from that point, just bringing awareness. So really awareness is always the key. So self-compassion and awareness, I think are the two places to start and giving ourselves permission to take, whether it's the tiniest step or whatever next step there is. And also understanding that as a society, physicians and certainly non-physicians as well, the odds are stacked against us. Like Mm. we are going to feel guilty. We are going to feel like it's, you know, going against the grain. If we do choose play or rest, it's just how society is right now. It's a cultural norm, right? Mm. Um, Because exhaustion is supposed to be where we live. It's a status symbol. And so when we allow ourselves permission to rest or to play, we're going against the grain, but we're also empowering ourselves. And to do that with a little bit of self-compassion would be my, my first and foremost, um, uh, wish for anybody that's feeling overwhelmed and overworked. 
Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not a failure when we feel that way. It's not something that is wrong with us. It is, you know, us opening up to that experience of feeling overworked, feeling overwhelmed. And when we start in awareness, things can, can feel a little bit tougher, um, you know, at that start, but, but having, having love and compassion and tuning into what do I really need here? You know, that's kind of, that's going to help me. I love that. Yeah. And the answers might not be very clear or easy, (laughs) (laughs) but before we get to awareness, nothing else can happen. And Mm so once we do get to awareness, then, uh, and then self-compassion and then giving ourselves permission, like you said, noticing this is, there's nothing wrong with me for feeling this way. Um, What do I need to do to feel whole? What do I need to feel more energized? Those kinds of questions. Oh, Perfect. So um, tell us about how people can find you if they're interested in learning more about the work that you do. Yeah. So my website is optimalwellnessmd.org. I'd love to connect with anybody. I um, offer monthly masterclasses that are hundred percent free. And so I've got one coming up in another week and I'll have another one coming up uh, in May and then in June. And so that's always a good option. I have a YouTube channel with evidence-based meditations that are there as well. And if you just go to YouTube and Google my name, um, you'll find that. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect. Oh, perfect. And we'll have links to all of those in the show notes for people to check out. Rashmi, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I, I really hope that more people will feel empowered to start incorporating, you know, any form of meditation and mindfulness, um, into what they're experiencing in their lives right now. I think it's so important at some point that we, reconnect with those parts and disengage from that busyness idea, that hustle. Um, and so I'm so excited. We got a chance to talk today. Same. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to ending physician overwhelm. If you've learned something today or felt moved, please share this episode with a colleague and be sure to like and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode yourself. If you'd like to know more about me and my coaching practice, you can find more information at www.healthierforgood.com. Until next time, take care.